0: You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, this morning to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 12, as we conclude this two-week series that we've been talking about in uh, dealing with being really rich. Now, you may remember from last week that we uh, talked about how all of us are in a good news, bad news situation in our life. The good news is that you are rich. The bad news is that you are rich. If you were to look at your life and go home and take a look at your stuff, I guarantee you, you could compare yourself with somebody and they'd be looking at you maybe someplace around the world and they would say, man, you're rich. There's a sliding scale of rich though, right? None of us really look at ourselves at being rich. And yet when the reality of life hits us and we go home and we see all that God has blessed us with, we recognize that we are rich. And and so that's the good news. But the bad news is that you are rich. And with riches comes responsibility. God has called us to be responsible with the resources that he has provided. Because at the end of the day, what we know is this. My stuff is not my stuff. My stuff is his stuff. I've just been given the opportunity to steward his stuff in my life. In fact, the Bible tells us this, that the world, the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world and all who are in it. So when you look at your stuff, that whatever stuff it might be, whose stuff is it really? It's his stuff. And you've been called to be someone who stewards it well. So in order for us to live a life that is rich in The good news this morning is God wants you to live rich. But let me tell you, it's not about your resources, it's about your relationships. God has called us to be rich in our relationship with Him and with others. And that takes a little bit of a change of our mental perspective in some ways. For example, I love what Pastor Rick Warren stated. He said this, You weren't created just to consume resources. To eat, to breathe, and to take up space. God designed you to make a difference with your life. Now, this last sentence is phenomenal. What matters is not the duration of one's life, but the donation. Isn't that good? It's not about how long you live. It's not the duration of your life. It's the donation. It's what kind of an impact that you're making in the relationships around you. And how many of you would agree with me this morning that life is short? I mean, it seems just like yesterday um, I was in high school. Then I look in the mirror, and I realize it wasn't just yesterday. It was a long time ago. In fact, I'm going to share something that's going to be embarrassing. I'm going to do it anyways. um, In high school, I used to be in fairly good shape. I I, I just started going back into the gym now, and um, uh, I I actually pulled a muscle on the elliptical machine. That's bad. That's bad. That's bad. I'm not. Listen, life is quick. It goes by at a crazy rapid pace. In fact, what it says this is Psalm 90, verse 2 Teach us to realize the brevity of our life that we may grow in wisdom. Teach us to realize the brevity, how short life is. Because when we live with a perspective that life is here today and it's possibly gone tomorrow, that imparts wisdom and how we live out our life here on earth. How many of you do would probably do something a little bit different today if you knew that tomorrow you would take your last breath? It would change your perspective. It would change your thoughts. It would change your behavior. It would change to you what is important. If I lived in light of eternity that my life here on earth is short, I would value some things a lot more than I value them today. I would invest And some things a lot more than maybe I'm investing them today. If we would live with the reality that our life is at best the width of a hand, maybe our lives would be different. I love what it says in your notes. Write this down. It says, we should celebrate the goodness and blessings of God, but we have to know the why of the blessings or the very things we have can rob us in the things that really matter. How many of you have ever heard of of Rudolf and Adolf Dassler? Does that ring a bell to you? Rudolf and Adolf Dassler? No? These two brothers were in a small little town in Germany. Um, They went into business together. They were going to make shoes. And in 1936, they found the moment that shot their business forward. They were able to make shoes for Jesse Owens in the Olympics. Well, you know what happened after the Olympics in 1936. Uh, Hitler came to power, World War II began, and Rudolf was accused of working for the SS, that nasty regime under Adolf Hitler. And, and Rudolf was convinced, completely convinced, that it was his brother Adolf that made that rumor go out because he was convinced that his brother wanted to take over the fam- that business that they had had together. And so, after the war, the two could never reconcile. They sold off the business between one another. They divided it. And while you may not have heard of Rudolph and Adolf, you probably have heard of Adidas and Puma, the shoe companies. One made Adidas, one made Puma. And they made millions of dollars, millions of dollars, separately. But as rich as they were in their finances, they were absolutely broken in their relationship. They would never talk to one another. Their families became mortal enemies. It didn't matter how many zeros they had in their bank account. They were poor in relationship. One of the most beautiful gifts that God has given us is not our stuff. It's not the bank account. It's relationship. It's the joy of having relationship with one another. Now, this, these two brothers were far from being the first ones who parted ways over finances. In fact, Luke chapter 12, we're going to read about a couple of brothers who were having some issues with their perspective. I'm going to start it in verse 12. Listen, if, if, I don't know if we have it up there. That's verse 16. Let me, let me start back at verse 13. It says, Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher... Please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. And Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Did you catch the words that Jesus said? Two, two very powerful words. The first word was this Beware. Pay attention. Monitor yourself. And then the second thing he said was guard your heart. How many of you know that guarding something is active? You you, you take action in order to guard. Chances are the person or the the team that's going to win that three-on-three basketball tournament is probably going to be the team um, that doesn't, first of all, get hurt on an elliptical. Secondly, they're probably going to be pretty good at guarding. Guarding is active, and and, and the Lord would say to each and every single one of us this morning, how are you doing in the guarding of your heart? Because what is inside your heart is where your loyalty is going to be. What consumes your heart is going to consume you. Are you consumed by a passionate love affair with Jesus Christ? Are you you consumed with loving others around you, Or, or are we falling into the trap of being consumed by other things? Jesus said, beware, guard. Then he continued on. He told a story. He said, a rich man had a fertile farm that produced. Um, If you're in the habit of writing in your Bibles, and I encourage you to do that, circle the word produced, underline it. We'll come back to that in a second. It produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. And then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, which does anybody else find that weird to say to yourself, my friend? <laughs> Just don't, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. And then who will get everything you worked for? Now listen to this, verse 21. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. good news is this. Every single one of us has the ability to be rich. But it's a sobering reminder, isn't it? That Jesus would say, guard your priorities. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. And it's only a fool who fails to become rich towards God and towards others and solely focuses on the here and now. Now, I asked you to circle that word produce. Let's let's talk about that for a second. Last summer in New Zealand, in in New Zealand's version of Powerball, uh, a man in his 70s won the the, the thing, millions of dollars. And um, like a lot of them, he thought, there's no way this could be real. Like, this is a, this is a fake. I, can't, I could not have really won this thing. Um, and so he turned it in, and it wasn't until he saw all the zeros in his bank account that he realized, I actually won millions of dollars. So he went shopping. Of course, went shopping. And as he's shopping, his heart began to flutter to the point where he thought he was going to pass out. He passed out, ambulance came, took him into the hospital, and they diagnosed him as having an acute bout of euphoria. I understand why. Um, Now, that word produced that we saw in the Greek, the Greek word for that word produced is euphorio. It's where we get the word euphoria. Here's a man who is euphoric over all his stuff. Euphoric over it. But miserable in relationships. Miserable in a relationship. Well, what do you mean, Jeremy? Why would you say that? Well, understand something. And I'm going to say this very clearly again. Stuff is not bad. Riches are not wrong. Say that out loud with me. Riches are not wrong. Okay. We're all on the same page, right? It wasn't that he was rich that made him wrong. But imagine this. There was probably a time in this rich fool's life where he said, if I could just have enough to fill up these barns that I have, I'm solid. I mean, I'm good. If he didn't feel that way, he would have made his barns bigger in the beginning, wouldn't he? He he had to have thought, if I can just fill these barns up, I'll have it made. So he did. He got those barns filled up. But what was his next thing to do? Build bigger barns. Because what I have all of a sudden isn't satisfying me. What I have is not enough. Although he had abundance, he failed to even think about serving others with his abundance. He failed to even think about how he could love his neighbor with his abundance. All of a sudden, what he had wasn't enough. We all fall into that, don't we? How many of you have, um, you started out at a job, maybe making minimum wage, and you thought to yourself, well, shoot, if I could just get a $2 raise, I'll be golden. Then you got the $2 raise, Right? How golden were you? You never wanted to die more since then, right? No, inside in our heart, we always want the more. Now, the riches aren't the wrong. It's the heart of the riches that can become the wrong. He, he failed to look to how he could serve. He failed to be rich towards God, and he failed to be rich towards others. The greatest deception of riches, goods, and stuff is that we put our trust in the temporary rather than trusting in the God who gives us life. So how can we be rich with God in the time we have left? First thing is this. Write this down. We have to understand and realize and live with this in mind, that God wants you to be rich in good deeds. We can all be rich. He wants you to be rich in good deeds. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 and 18 says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. How many of you have ever found that to be true? Money can be very unreliable. (laughs) Their trust should be in God only, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. God wants us to be rich in serving one another. God wants us to be rich in good works. Be careful, though. Be careful that you never fall into the mindset that it's your good works that's going to get you to heaven. That's not true. You could work, we could work for all of eternity trying to do good stuff and still never do enough good works to be able to enter into heaven. You were not saved by your works. For it is by grace that you have been saved and not by works lest any man should boast. Because of what Jesus did, his, his death and His resurrection because of His grace. Listen, you, you don't, don't miss this. Don't miss this. This is good news. Because of what Jesus did, you have been declared holy and righteous. You didn't have to lift a finger. You didn't have to. do. It was simply by faith that He said, listen, I declare you righteous. Now because of that relationship and what He's given us, we are prompted by god to serve him we are prompted by god to serve others so we move from a place of being dead to a place of life not because of what you did but because of what he did and now that we're living we want to live life richly by serving one another we're not saved by good deeds but we're saved for good deeds write this down as well if you would Good deeds are acts of kindness and generosity that do a couple of things. The first thing that it does is it points to God and not to me. It points to God and not to me. Be careful as you do good deeds. Uh, Be careful what your motivation is when you do good deeds. If you working and serving others is so that you can have people pat you on the back, say what a special person you are, how great you are, be careful of that. Everything we do, better point to God. Everything we do, better point to God. Keep yourself off the pedestal. Keep yourself off that. Every single thing we do points to God. Listen, even your ability to do good works, who gives you that ability? Some people don't know. (laughs) I'm going to fill you in. God does. He empowers you to do the work of ministry. And there's nothing more radically fulfilling than that. Hey, there's nothing wrong with feeling good about how God has used you. Don't, don't, don't ever feel bad about that. It's awesome. But understand any success or any ability that you've had to be able to do stuff is because God has empowered you to do it. Also, what it does is it does this, is it reveals the love of God. When we do good deeds, it reveals the love of God. You've heard this before, but i must say it again. You've heard this from other places. You're the only Jesus a lot of people are going to see. You're the only Jesus that people see. And as they see you loving on others, what they begin to see is the love of God and how desperately they need it. It reveals the love of God. And it also meets people at their point of need. You know, when I look at those three things, Those three attributes, how it points to God, not to us, how it reveals the love of God, and how it points to people in their time of need. I can't help but think of a hero of the faith who passed away this week, Dr. Billy Graham. He was a man who was singularly focused on being rich in his relationship with God and rich in his relationship with others. The estimates are that he preached to 215 million people. 215 million people. Singularly focused on the mission that God had given him for his life. You you and I probably, I could be wrong, but probably won't preach to 215 million people. But we can all be singularly focused on the mission and the assignment that God has given each and every single one of us. He would not be distracted. His life was consumed by being rich in God. Is that how our life is? Can I ask you that this morning? Is our life like that too? Are we singularly focused that everything that we do, the end purpose of whatever we do is to glorify God, to be rich in relationship with Him, and to be rich in relationships with one another? This quote up here is pretty good too, isn't it? God has given us two hands, one to receive with and one to give with. What comes in, what does it do? It goes out. The giftings that God has given to you, you receive it, and then, and, then, and then it goes out. You use it. We've been called to be used by God. All right, write this down. God wants you to be rich in generosity. Not just in relationship, but he wants you to be rich in generosity. We have been blessed not just so we can have more, but so that we can give more. I love what it says in Proverbs, and I'm going to read it to you in the message version. Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 through 25 says, The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. How many have experienced that in your life at one time or another? I remember so many times where I'll go on, whether it be a missions trip Or or an outreach opportunity, and I'm kind of going in thinking, I'm just going to bless them. That's what I'm going to do. That's who I am. I'm going to bless them. It's going to be awesome. And I get in there, and yeah, maybe they've been blessed, but let me tell you who's really blessed. When I walk away, that's me. I mean, it fueled me up. It fires me up. When I get an opportunity to serve somebody, and and I'm not going to lie to you, how many of you know that sometimes the hardest part about serving someone is actually getting in the car and going to do it? right? To get in the car and head out there. That's, that's like the biggest fight in between your ears, right? To go do that. But once you do that, and once you're there, you walk away and you're the one saying, how come I'm not doing this more often? Why is that? Because in God's economy, that's how it works. You see, because you've got the DNA of God flowing through your veins. So what stokes him stokes you. And how many of you know that God was So faithful in serving us, serving humanity, sending his son. It pleased him to be able to serve you, us. Isn't that crazy? And we have that same DNA in our veins. So no wonder when we serve others, we're the ones that walk away being blessed. All right, write this one down. I'm going to get you out of here pretty soon. God also wants us to be rich in relationships. Rich towards God, rich in generosity, and rich in relationships. He wants us to love. Not pay lip service to love, but to actually love. Listen to what he says in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Read this with me. Love each Verse 35. This is how you're going to know, or the world is going to know that you're his disciple. It's how much you go to church. No. This is how you'll know you're a disciple of Jesus, is by what your tithing record says. It's about how often you get your kids to youth group. Isn't it wild? Because sometimes that's how we judge what a true disciple of Jesus is. But Jesus said, this is how they're going to know that you're my disciple. You're actually going to love each other. Isn't that wild? So here's here's a homework assignment for you, because I know each of you love homework. Um, 1 Corinthians 13. I want you to read that this week. And then as you read what love is, ask yourself this. Does 1 Corinthians 13 look like my life? Am I loving one another? Because that's how the world is going to know that you're his disciple. It's how we treat each other in here. It's in here. Are we gossiping about one another? Are we, are we talking, are we building each other up? Or are we tearing each other down? Or how about this one? Am I actually getting to know other people inside my church? Or, or is loving one another, um, is that just the time that we have when we turn around and greet each other after worship? Is that love? Well, that's called a greeting. Get to know people. Seek people out. How many of you know it's really easy to get kind of stuck in your little clique? You better answer because I know what clique you're in. <laughs> Reach out. Find, you know what that's called? Love. Love is actually, can you love someone without getting to know somebody? I don't think so. Love means you get to know someone. Hear their heart, hear where they've been. How many of you would agree with me, though, that, that love um, in relationships, I should say, not love, but relationships, they're not always easy, are they? Um, there was a married couple. 60 years they were married. 60 fantastic life together she was in her last stages of life and um the husband he loved her so much but he knows he has to start getting the estate in order um now in the beginning of their marriage 60 years ago she told him you can ask me anything i'll never hide anything from you but the one thing i'm asking you not to do is to ever look inside this and she pulled out a little box Can you can you make me that promise? And he agreed, and he never did. In 60 years, he never did. But because her time on earth was short, and he was settling her affairs, he asked, can I look inside the box and see what's there? And she said yes. So he got the box, brought it to her room. And he opened it up. (laughs) Two little crocheted dolls and $96,000 in cash. Bumbled up. And she says, what is this? And she said to her husband, when we first got married, my grandmother told me this. There's going to be times where you and your husband just can't agree. There's going to be times of conflict. And it's going to be maybe even moments where you want to run. In those moments, crochet just a little doll and leave it in this box. My husband's just filled up with tears now. Says in the 60 years we've been married, there's only been two times that we've had an issue that made you want to run. She looked at her husband. She said, Honey, every time I crocheted a doll, I sold it for $5. Laughter Relationships are hard. But man, are they good. Man, are they good. We've been called to be rich in the stuff that's good. I mean, life's going to be easy with one another. I mean, life's going to even be easy all the time what you're walking out with the Lord and the assignment that He's given you. Let me tell you something. There is nothing, nothing, Nothing more satisfying and worth more than living a rich life with Him and a rich life with others. So, Lord, this morning it's our heart's desire to be rich. <laughs> Not rich as the world sees it, but rich as you've defined it. But we want to be rich in our relationship with you. We want to be so passionate about you. So full of joy and admiration, adoration, that God, we would want nothing, nothing more than to walk with you daily. Walk with you, Lord. Thank you for the gift of relationship with other people and your children. Teach us the value. Them. Teach us to love. Teach us to build up, not tear down. Teach us to believe the best and not the worst in one another. Teach us to speak vision and hope into one another's lives. Teach us to speak possibilities and potential. Forgive us in those times where maybe we uh, we don't love each other like we should. Lord, what we want is to be a better reflection of you. Lord, because that's where we're rich. And if you agree with me this morning, just say amen.